Welcome to the Psychosphere. My name is David Sutcliffe, and my guest today once again is Jana Senior. Jana Senior, if you listened to the last episode of the podcast with Angela I, the most recent, she described a car accident that she got in with Jana. And in this episode, we hear Jana's side of the story. And we get her perspective, which I think is really interesting. And we get into all kinds of stuff. Jan and I are old friends. And uh, this is her second time on the pod. And in this episode, we discuss how hot she is. She's very hot, Jana. I don't know if you're aware of this. You're just listening. You don't see her. I got to see her because we Zoomed. Very, very sexy woman. Uh, And we talk about aging. We talk about... The Oedipal Complex. That's a deep conversation. It's a little little weird. And we get into some of the COVID stuff, of course, because, well, you'll hear about it. I'm just scared I'm never going to see my dad again. You can't fly in a plane. You can't get on a plane or a train if you're living in Canada, if you don't have the vaccine. And uh, my dad's not vaccinated. And neither am I. So what are we going to do? I'm never going to see my dad again. I'm a little upset about that. We get into that. In this episode, uh, I hope you enjoy it. And, uh, you know, if you like, if you're enjoying the Psychosphere, if you like the Psychosphere, uh, please give us a review or a rating or something. Tell your friends, share it, spread the word, please, about the Psychosphere. And enjoy this episode with Jana Senor. Oh, God. I'm always I'm nervous. It's so, uh, it's so weird. Why are you nervous? Why am I nervous? I don't know. I just, I'm, this makes me nervous. Okay. Press record. Get myself totally ready here. Mm-hmm. Are you comfortable? Yeah, I'm comfortable. What are you wearing? Let me stand up. Let me take a look. Okay. At you. You're seeing, you're going to make me more nervous. Why? You look cute. I look cute. Sweatpants. Yeah. Sweatpants. You're a hottie. Thanks, Dave. What's it like being a hottie? You used to be. Okay. Not a hold hottie. on. I haven't started recording. Have I started recording? No. Here I go. Okay, we're recording. We're recording. Yeah. You used to be. You used to be. You were not a hottie. You were overweight. It's true. You didn't care about how you looked because uh, secretly, I really wanted to be a hottie. Mm-hmm. But that was a secret. Right. I'd given up on it, and then because vanity was uh, judged in my in family. Your, in your yes. family, very it, judged. Mm-hmm. Yes. I couldn't imagine you could be smart, successful, and sexy. And you've it's achieved well, that. You could only, I, I did achieve it. And then I was shamed mm. by my mother and my sister. And then my sister decided to join me in Sexyland mm. years later. You know? Now your sister is also sexy. My sister is now also sexy. What is your favorite body part about your body? What do you like the best? Oh, my God, Dave. You're really starting strong here. <laughs> Just let go. Just let It's fine. I mean, is <laughs> no, that- it's fun. It's fun. Um, what is my favorite part about my body? Well, this isn't exactly a body part, but I will tell you that I have the softest skin. You have the softest skin. The softest skin. That's nice. Diana has soft skin and I, I got to tell you, it's nice to touch it. Isn't it great? Mm -hmm. Isn't it great? Soft skin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you have soft skin. You like that. Yeah, I do like it. I mean, yeah, I like it. Do you have a regimen for your skin? No. I mean, 
do I like you mean like like for my face? Like well, do I clean? You know, I know I don't do anything. I just nothing. like I just bask in the privilege of uh, having naturally like velvety soft skin. You have skin privilege. I have skin privilege. Mm. Yeah, I used to wake up in the morning as a teenager and just like. I would just touch my skin and be like, this is amazing. Wow. <laughs> and then wow. I'd touch other people and think, God, their skin really is not as soft as mine. It's nice to have soft skin. Yeah. What else? What else do you like about your body? Um, what about your ass? How do you feel okay. about your ass? Uh, you know, I never thought about my ass much. I never thought I had a particularly, uh, anything. I just figured it was like, yeah, no, it's fine. It's whatever. And then I remember once we went to a yoga class together mm -hmm. and you admired my ass. Mm -hmm. You got a great ass. Yeah. I mean, I was on mm -hmm. all fours in the class, but mm -hmm. so it's, you know, I it's, remember. It's, it's accentuated in that, in that position. Yeah. 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 Oh dear. Do you remember that process you did where you lifted your belly? Oh, you lifted God. your shirt to show your belly. Right. After all that, like after I'd had children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You showed everybody because you were, what, were you embarrassed or? Well, it's like my stomach. It's so, so like back when I was overweight, you know, it's like I didn't have a nice body. Like I didn't, you know, I didn't think, you know, it wasn't what the, you know, what I wanted. I wanted to be more slender. And so I never showed my body. And then I had children and lost a bunch of weight and got sexy and, you know, like went for something. But by that point, childbirth had like really affected my, you know, like the skin on my stomach. Like I had stretch marks and my belly button was stretched and I, it's like, it's not fixable, you know, like right. it, it was like a, and it really, for years, it really bothered me, you know, it really bothered me. I was like, I wish I'd I wish I'd enjoyed my stomach before I'd had kids or something, you know, because I never, it's like I never get to see what, I never get to go back to that place. So it was actually a big thing for me to to show people because I would hide it. Right. It was actually, I actually showed you, I think in your in mm. your room. That was like a big, and I, That's right. I remember I pushed the skin on my stomach together to show you like just how bad it was. And I felt very liberated after that. You did. They did, yeah. Do you wear bikinis? You must, right? I did. Yeah, I wear bikinis. Um, but I have this, like, I have these, this new bathing suit. Yeah. That looks incredible on me that I love. It's not, it's not exactly a bikini. It's super geometric. I can't really explain what it is, but it's like, it just, I just look amazing in it. You look amazing in it. I look amazing in it, yeah. Isn't that amazing that you went from having this identification of not being attractive and now you really enjoy how attractive you are and you're able to say, I look amazing in my new bathing suit. I know. Suit. I know. Yeah. And you yeah. are not a young woman anymore. No, that's true. How old are you now? I'm 44. 44. And mm -hmm. you're, kind, you're kind of as hot as ever, I would say. Maybe you're hotter than you've ever been. Do you think so? Is that possible? So? I do. I, do you? Mm -hmm. Um, I, uh, I'm having like, I'm feeling so nervous <laughs> right now. I just have to like get a hold of myself. This conversation is, is, why is it, why is for it, me. why, um, why is it so intense for me? 
I don't know. It feels very vulnerable. Like mm-hmm. it's it's like I I really I guess I really care about being attractive. Mm. You know? I really care about it. And also I'm getting older. Mm-hmm. And um but I, I'm sort of, I'm more confident than I've ever been mm-hmm. in my life, mm-hmm. even, you know, at 44. And I don't want to be one of those people that like doesn't accept that she's aging. But at the same time, I'm totally willing to do shit to my face, you know? Like what? Like, what do you mean? Like, You're going to get plastic I'm willing surgery? To do, I'm, I'm willing to have plastic surgery, mm-hmm. actually, you know? I don't know if that's a mistake, but I think about it. You look in your face, like at your face in the mirror and you see things and you're like, I want to fix that. <sighs> or you see where it could be going. And well, I know where it really, it's going. When it gets there. I know where it's oh, going to go. We all know where it's going. No, but like for me, okay. So I look at my mother and her chin and her neck are just one thing. <laughs> and that is my destiny and i don't how do you like know? that how do you know i that? just know because i can already see it starting where let me i don't see anything you, you look perfect you literally that. look perfect i know i well, i look really really good in this lighting right don't i yeah you just I stay in the I'm, good light all the time yeah stay in the good light mm-hmm. yeah all right let me ask you a question yeah please how do you feel about aging i mean you were this like were? I mean, I think I know. Excuse me? How- <laughs> Were? Wow. Okay. Revealing. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I just mean, you know, your looks mm-hmm. was a currency for you for yeah. most of your adult life, like your young life. You right. Know? So what's it like for you? It's It's good and bad. There's a power that you have when you're a young, attractive man. I mean, I used to walk into rooms and everyone look at me and Mm -hmm. a lot of attention from women and that's real power. I mean, people can Mm -hmm. say whatever they want, but there's no greater privilege than attractiveness. I know. I think height for men is also a big one Mm -hmm. and I have both. Mm -hmm. So I miss that and I don't miss it. It's like I I got to live it and I'm somewhere else and, and being more of a normal person and not being recognized. I mean, I was also became famous. And as I get older, I'm less recognizable. So there's something about being more anonymous that's actually liberating. Mm -hmm. And I feel good about who I am and what I'm doing. And it it feels like it gets in the way less Mm -hmm. because when you're attractive, sometimes that's all people can see. Like they can't Mm -hmm. get past it. Right. And because I'm older now, it, it doesn't seem to get in the way mm-hmm. the same way that it used to. So it's, you know, yeah, there's some mourning, some sadness. Sometimes I, I'll i shoot a video and I'm like, Jesus, I'm not looking. <laughs> I do not look good. You know, that angle or that mm-hmm. light. And that's weird because I, I, mm-hmm. I'm not used to that. I, I've seen myself on screen so much and you get... You know, I, I liked what I saw mostly. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some unflattering angles for sure. Not Brad Pitt, but uh, but yeah, now it's like I'm more human, and uh, 
it's okay. I'm okay with it. I, I think mm-hmm. if I wasn't happy with where I was in my life or I wasn't doing things, you know, the thing that I love to do, I think it probably more of an issue. But, mm-hmm. uh, but I do feel the primal drive, sexual drive towards reproduction, right? Oh. When, when you're younger, right? Mm-hmm. Like when you're fucking, when you're 20, 30, you're fucking to make a baby on some mm-hmm. primal level. And it's so intense. And mm-hmm. the, the attraction to the opposite sex, that's built into it. And so nature is going to make it like powerful, and I'm 52, so I'm, I, yes, I can still have children, but I'm past my sexual prime and uh, reproductive prime. So that is no longer there. And also, I don't feel women are attracted to me in that way, mm-hmm. like that they want to fuck me, you know, from that primal place. And that's, <laughs> that I don't like. Right. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a little bit different mm-hmm. but it, it it's also it's great you know sex is it's not that the sex is great it's just it's different mm-hmm. and you know you you always mourn the thing that you loved and and no longer have so but overall i mean um aging is it's okay mm-hmm. you know uh, you know i i was walking down the street with my daughter who's 16 and we passed these this group of men and I noticed their eyes just slide over me and just look at her. And it made me so happy. It made you happy? Yeah. It's like, that's right. That's what's right. supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, she's coming into her, that period of her life where, you know, men are going to look at her and she's going to, you know, like, and she's going to look at them and... I don't know why it just made me, it just made me happy. Like that's not where I am. And I I don't want to go back there. Like I did, I lived that period of time, but it's nice to see it happening for her. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I love that you have that attitude. Yeah. About it. How is she? This morning she said to me, she's like, mom, you think you're so gorgeous, don't you? And I said, I do, Jada. I do think I'm gorgeous. And then she said, and then I said, but you know who I think is more gorgeous? And she said, who? I said, you. And she said, because I'm younger. And and I don't know. I don't know if that's, I don't know what I'm saying to my kids half the time. Like sometimes I worry, am I saying the wrong thing? You know, but I, I, I do think she's gorgeous. Mm. That's nice. Mm Mm-hmm. It's nice that she feels that. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So we recorded a podcast a couple of weeks ago. It was released. You were nervous about it, mm-hmm. but it came out and you, I sensed that you were, you got excited. You were nervous, but you were excited. How, mm-hmm. how was the response? Um, some people... Uh, I got, I, you know, I got some really, some people wrote to me and said that they loved it and it uh, really impacted them. And some people really hated it. Hated it? Well, I don't know, hated it. We're, tr- we're made very, we're triggered by it, got very angry at parts. Angry? Um, mm-hmm. What, what, can you say more without revealing 
who these people um, are in a general way? I'm just curious. Yeah, just give me a second. Let me just think of how I'm going to. Uh, well, one person actually was super distressed by our vaccine conversation and right. has asked to have a conversation mm. with me about it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think, I don't know, the other person, okay, yeah, I, I don't think I can say more than that about the other person. Yeah, yeah, I just, They were distressed about the vaccine. Yeah, one person was distressed about the vaccine, but, um, you know, a, a lot of people were very, like, loved it, hmm. really, uh-huh. How did you and feel about it? Loved hearing about our relationship, you know, and 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 loved, yeah, loved the whole thing. How did I feel about it when I heard it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I listened to it like four times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you liked um, it. I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot. Yeah. And you immediately said you wanted to come back on. I did. I had fun. Right. And mm-hmm. then I did a podcast with Angela, and she told me the story of the car accident. Yes. And I heard your her side of the story, mm-hmm. and she gave me all the details about what happened, how you both reacted, and going to the hospital, and the conversation, the, the conflict that ensued. And I heard her side. And I thought, well, I want to hear Janice's side of the story because it's such an interesting conversation. And I mean, you haven't heard it yet because it's not out. But uh, we started talking about defense because defense systems, you know, because mm-hmm. you guys were teaching the rigid, and we 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 talked about all the different defense patterns, character structures, and what they are and how they develop. And then that got played out mm-hmm. in this car accident. So it ended up being. A teaching, really, hopefully, for the audience. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, I happened? actually have something. Before oh. we get into the car accident, I have something to say about oh. the the rigid defense, actually, mm-hmm. as, it, as it relates to my relationship with you and what we talked about in the last podcast. Because I realized something through doing this whole teaching this weekend. Can we, um, before you say yeah. that... It, mm-hmm. it, it, what do you mean by defense? Like, what? let's define that term for people out there. Mm-hmm. Okay. So a defense is a strategy that you develop in childhood as a, a way to get safety and pleasure. Um in the face of, you know, feeling disconnected from your caregiver, like in defense of of pain or or fear that is too much, that overwhelms your system. Right, right, right. I mean, that's the simplest way I can explain it. Do you want to add to that? Um, No, that was, that was, that was good. Let me just think. Yeah, what, yeah, I guess it's a defense. So I guess the question is, what are you defending against? Well, you're defending against yeah, intolerable feelings, mm-hmm. uh, pain and fear, and now you're not safe. You don't feel safe, and, and and it could be 
in the form of abuse, or it could be just in the form of not being seen or recognized or understood or felt, or your needs aren't getting met. And that for a child is extremely painful, annihilating, actually. Mm-hmm. We, we often uh, underplay how powerful that is because we're adults now, but to a child who's helpless and vulnerable, that can feel annihilating. So we, uh, we defend against those feelings and then we, uh, yeah, we develop strategies um, as compensations. And that and, defense and, and those strategies become, we become identified with them and it becomes a pattern of behavior that we then play out in our adult life. And then we realize like, oh, why am I in this pattern? Why do I keep dating the same person? Or why do I keep not being able to make money or whatever it is? Why do I keep getting in this kind of conflict? Why do I never get what I need? Why am I never understood? Mm-hmm. And so when we're working with people, like that's a, a place we often start. It's like, okay, well, what is the, the defense pattern? What right. is the mask? What and, is the adapted self? Right. And the the defense that we choose as children, um, it, it corresponds to some talent that we have. Mm. You know, not like, like the defense has to work for you and not all like, so I have an aggressive defense, mm-hmm. for example. And maybe this leads into the conversation about the accident because Angela and I went into two very different defenses. Yeah, and she no. cut, she we talked about that, but before we go there, I want to go back to what you were saying about the rigid defense. Okay, okay, and it, how it how it plays out in our relationship. Okay, so um, so the the rigid. I'll just do a little brief over just a tiny thing about the Oedipal wound. Is that okay? Please to just explain. Yeah. So um, people know the story of Oedipus. Um, Mostly, you know, this king who there was a prophecy that he was destined to murder his father and marry and sleep with his mother, which Mm -hmm. ended up playing out. And around the period of sexual maturity, uh, the sort of genital development period for children, actually not sexual maturity, but, you know, as they, you know, they get a little more into childhood, maybe between four and seven years old, um, children start to like the energy they come towards their parents with the parents can feel it as as sexual whereas you don't as as a sort of genital sexuality as opposed to a two-year-old you know when they throw their body on you it just it doesn't have a sexual flavor but you can see like i saw this video of alicia silverstone's son um kissing her and he you know he puts his his mouth on hers and he pulls her whole face towards him and he presses his body against hers and he tries to force her mouth open with his mouth and she's there you know she's she's there but you can see she kind of she's shocked she sort of pulls back like like she's a little bit like you could you know and as to a child they come with all their love, which at this age is in, for them, they don't, it's not separate from sexuality. They don't know there's two energies. They're just coming mm-hmm. with all their energy, but the parent feels it as sexual. And so they, they do different things there. They might withdraw from the child. They might shame the child. They might um, drop the heart connection with the child. They might, you know, bring their own sexual energy towards the child and overwhelm the child. There's so many different things that can happen in a family with sexual energy. And none of it is talked about. You know, it's all, people don't even know about it. It's not that they're, they're it's on purpose. It's just, it's so taboo. Uh, 
the sexual energy that goes between parents and children. Right. So, yeah. Well, I, I have a, a, a powerful example that I saw mm-hmm. where the little girl, six, seven, was on daddy's lap grinding mm-hmm. up on his knee, you know, on his thigh, mm-hmm. and looking at mommy like with this mischievous smile on her face. And it was shocking to see. Like, I mean, it was almost like she was giving daddy a lap dance and looking at mommy saying like, he's mine. And what did mommy do? She, she just smiled. Mm-hmm. She, she wasn't threatened, but there was discomfort. Like, you know, you could see that there was a reaction and, and maybe some part of her that was, you know, felt competitive or, you know, wanted to stop it. But she's wise enough to to be with it. Um, and of course, the father was extremely uncomfortable, but also with a lot of awareness and consciousness, doesn't want to shame or necessarily stop it. And so the boundary, how do you place that boundary on a child? Well, is, let, which me is tell gets you, really... let me tell you what the good enough parent response to that is. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, this is what I, I learned in, in teaching this, this module is that ideally the, let's say this little girl, the dad will play in the excitement with the daughter while giving a non-shaming boundary. So he will allow her to have her excitement, you know, like, but with a boundary. And the mother will enjoy, will look on and enjoy the excitement between father and daughter. Mm. Um, Like the, the mother is secure enough in her own relationship with the father that she can support and enjoy the excitement between them while at the same time protecting her daughter from getting overstimulated. So mm-hmm. what you don't want is, is is you don't want the child to be overstimulated by too much ad, by adult sexual energy that comes towards her. Right. You know, and you don't want her to be to feel scared or shamed with the parent, you know, withdraws their heart mm-hmm. or shames her. But this is a very delicate thing. But if she if she has the opportunity to play in the excitement with mm-hmm. her dad, then she learns that it's safe for her to love sexually. Mm-hmm. For her to to have her love and 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 also to she gets an opportunity to safely explore her growing fascination with the opposite sex. Right. 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 Wow. Um, so I have another story of a girl who I saw say, you know, she was lying on her dad, similar, you know, and she looked at her mother and she said, you know, she didn't just look with her eyes and say, he's mine. She actually said, mommy, he's mine. <laughs> and mommy looked at her and said, no, he's not. He's my, he's my, he's my husband, but you can borrow him. <laughs> I don't know if that was right, but. Borrow. I don't know. Borrow. <laughs> the I know first you part's don't. great. The second part maybe needs some refinement. <laughs> right. Well, you know, I, I, try, I thought though. it was She's pretty. I best. thought it was something. I, yeah. yeah she yeah. was doing her best. Yeah. I thought that was pretty interesting. Well, I had a 
I did a process in a in a workshop and uh where I think it's okay to talk about this um where a woman was in her very young sexual attraction mm-hmm. and she was coming at me mm-hmm. with all of this desire and and she had a lot of consciousness about the role play and it was so there was a lot of safety that was created and she really understood it and she was coming at me and and with this desire but she was also crying and so intense and she got to me and she put her hands like on my arm and like grabbed like there was this deep deep need and but her body was you know writhing like you know sexually and angela is standing there watching it from afar and I said to her, I love this part of you. It's beautiful, but it's not for me. Mm-hmm. And she stepped back and just burst into tears. Mm-hmm. And then Angela came over and then stood beside me to sort of recreate that dynamic, you know? Mm-hmm. And it, it just felt like it's all there. Like it was all there in that moment. And that, and then she actually got like the healing. That's how it felt to me. Mm-hmm. Like she wasn't shamed, but the boundary was firm and that she had to feel that, yeah, it's, it's, it's not for, it's for somebody else. Like it's, you're an adult now and you want to bring that energy, but it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. You're beautiful. I love you there. Right. But I'm with mommy. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you're an adult now. That's that's the thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's an adult now, right? I I had an experience with a therapist because this is also, you know, this is this is what I would bring to you. This is the place we would get in into a tough spot, you and me. Mm-hmm. Is that I would come with this that with energy that was young you know, and all this desire for you. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and I had a process with my therapist once where like now that I going and doing all this research about the rigid pattern, I realized he gave me, you know, he played in the energy with me, what but do you didn't mean? cross the boundary. Right. Well, he like, I guess he encouraged me to I don't know. I've seen I've seen it done different ways. Like I, I like I, you know, like he encouraged me to have all my excitement, mm-hmm. you know, and he kind of stayed. He stayed with me and he he enjoyed me. I, I, don't, know, this is, I don't know how this is going to sound to people. <laughs> Well, you, you were, it was a very a advanced, uh, <laughs> yeah. you, you were coming with a lot of experience and, uh, yeah, there was a lot of safety there and, and, mm-hmm. and probably both of you wanted to play with the edges. Yeah. Well, I guess I did, I didn't know this, but in my research, what I, re- what I learned is that the dad, is this crazy? Is supposed to play play around not around the edges but in the in the energy with the daughter okay so for example my dad when i was little he used to bite my clothes 
Mm-hmm. Did I, do you know this? Have I no. told you this? No. Okay. So he would get like, there. he loved me so much that when he would be close to me, he would take my shirt in his mouth and he would do this he would do this thing all the time you know like he could barely contain himself um like an animal you know Mm -hmm. and i think that i found this incredibly exciting Mm -hmm. as Mm, a little girl i can imagine (laughs) yeah because it's kind of erotic it's kind of well look at the effect i'm having on my dad right you know he's turning into a beast He's so mm. excited being around me. He can barely contain himself. I loved it. Mm. Am I going to regret saying all this stuff? No, this is, this is, <laughs> what are you talking about? I just can feel, I feel so, um, just not held back. Yeah, it's good. It's yeah. good. This is what we need. Yeah. We need to stop holding back. Yeah. You need it's to true. have these conversations. Yeah, they're they're uncomfortable conversations. But we this is the I think really important information that the rigid wound and 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 a child's infantile sexuality and how that's met by the parents and and the desire that uh, the confusion that that can create in the parent and how parents can their desire to touch and be with their children, especially as they get older, can become unconsciously sexualized because it's mm-hmm. how you know to be with and touch. Right. And I think we have to talk about it. Obviously we have to talk about it because right. look at how much children are getting sexually abused. Mm-hmm. And it's pro- probably part of the reason that's happening is because we're not allowed to talk about it. So it gets, it goes underground and then it comes out in these really distorted, destructive, abusive ways. Mm-hmm. Right. They're getting abused, which is too much. I mean, they're either getting abused or there's sort of covert incest that can happen too, mm-hmm. where they're not getting outright abused, but they're being, you know, the sexuality, the energy that's supposed to go towards mom goes towards daughter instead or goes mm-hmm. towards son from mom. Um, right. I felt that, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. You Without dad that. around, I become the the focus of my mom's love and adoration. Mm-hmm. And so whether it's conscious or not, there's some or her sexuality in some ways leaking out and coming toward me. And as a six, seven, eight-year-old, that's there's part of me that's excited by it, as you were saying, because I'm getting all this attention from mom, but there's another part of me that's it's, it's overwhelming mm-hmm. and it's weird. Well, and then you get your special to your mom. Right. And then you carry a heavy burden mm-hmm. because you can't possibly give her what a man could give her because you're right. six years old. I only figured that out three years ago. Really? Yeah, in a session with Warren. That that you yeah, that I the terror of knowing that I couldn't carry the burden. Mm-hmm. And then I had an ayahuasca ceremony and then I, I I felt it in my body. And I realized that's playing into all my relationships. Like unconsciously, I can never carry the burden of what I how, like I'm always going to fail here in this relationship. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to be enough for this woman. Oh. Because that's oh, what like I like it repeats. It repeats. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Deep. deep I mean, think about it and how confusing that is for a, a, a woman. They they are seeing me as handsome and intelligent and successful. They can't imagine 
that there's a part of me that feels like I'm not enough for them. Right. So they just don't see it. And of course, I don't show it. And so then it gets played out in all these weird fights and they're completely like, what the fuck is going on? Right. And then I have to, you know, now I I come clean. I have to say, well, yeah, I'm just like everyone else. Right. (laughs) Scared I'm not enough. Scared I'm too much. Scared I'm unlovable. Right. I mean, this might be like what you're talking about is that your defense stops them from seeing it, right? Right. In fact, they see the opposite. They see super confident. They see they have no idea, right? Yeah, it's not, it's, yeah, exactly. It's like, I will complain often about not being seen, but you know, what I would say to my clients is like, well, are you showing yourself all the way? Are you hiding? I mean, people are not going to see the places that you're hiding. And so, yeah, there's like, I don't want to show my vulnerability. I don't want them Mm -hmm. to see that because then I'm not going to be loved. And, and there is a, uh, a fantasy that gets destroyed because, you know, women do want to believe that the man is the knight in shining armor. He's the hero. They have that own, their own fantasy there. So they actually have to come into reality as well. Not all women, but some. Mm-hmm. And it goes the other way too, in a different yeah. way. But um, but once you're on the other side of that, it's actually, it's, well, then you can have real intimacy and real love, which is what everybody actually wants. You want out of the fantasy. But the fall from the fantasy can be, painful Mm -hmm. the fall from the fantasy but for you it sounds like i mean you're you you're hiding behind their fan like they have a fan you're presenting something that's not right yeah and what what's it like when you reveal the truth how how has it gone well, it's gone much better as I've gotten more comfortable with myself there. Mm-hmm. So I'm able to stand in it mm-hmm. and understand that it's okay if you don't see me or love me there, or it's okay for you to for them to be disappointed. I, I don't I don't take that on. But don't they ever love you there? Of course, of course. Right. But I'm saying my fear. Like that's right. my fear. And I, I can tolerate that fear. No, of course they, they can love me there. Of course I've been, I've been loved there. And that's, that's what you learn. That's what we all have to learn. If I show these parts of myself that are, that I'm most afraid to show, and I'm, I make no demand that I'm seen or understood. Like I just, like, here I am, open, vulnerable. It's impossible not to love a person there. It's literally impossible not to, and you see it over and over again. That though, those are the people that we love, who are just their hearts are wide open. You can see their pain. They're comfortable with their inadequacies, or the they own the places where they feel unlovable. I mean, we're totally drawn mm-hmm. to those people, and so I, 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 you know, that's partly what we're doing on this podcast, right? It's an opportunity to reveal more of ourselves, for me to reveal more of myself. It's harder to do in a six-minute Instagram video. I'm just, you know, putting on a show. I'm saying stuff, but I'm also, I'm in a character. Mm -hmm. 
and this is uh you know an opportunity to be more more real and more revealing and it is scary but now i'm i'm i don't even think about it which is right. amazing i listened to the first podcast i recorded with angela where i said everything about trump and covid and all my crazy not crazy my completely accurate assessment of shit um which all has proven to be true by the way you motherfuckers out there my haters i've been right about everything okay you cocksuckers uh, what uh-huh. i have been it's true um so i'm i, I well you know I, i'm showing my arrogance i'm not afraid to show my arrogance yeah um I was terrified mm-hmm. for that to come out. And I listened to it again a couple of days ago and it was like, oh, there's there's nothing that's that's fine. There's no problem there. It's I found it compelling and mm-hmm. I found it was vulnerable. I felt I felt my vulnerability and that's what I was drawn to. And that's the actually the feedback that I got from right. people, which I didn't fully understand or take in at the time, but now I see it. They were like, I don't agree with everything you said, but I totally appreciate you saying it. They felt the risk, and that's what was compelling and interesting for them. So take a risk, people. Yeah. Well, it pays off, right? It becomes, it pays off. You get something for it. You get to not have to be so scared, or or whatever your images are about something get exposed and things become easier. The car accident. Mm hmm. Was, what happened? That sucked. It sucked. It sucked. Well, it sucked not because of the car accident, but because of what happened between me and Angela. That's right. the part that really sucked for me. So if you haven't listened to that episode, you should listen to it. But uh, mm-hmm. you guys got in a car accident. You got, you're in front of the hotel and you got hit uh, in the rear passenger door. Uh-huh. Hard. Mm-hmm. It was shocking, Angela. You had you both weren't wearing seatbelts. Right, she we were flew sitting across because we were sitting and t- she flew yeah. into my lap. Actually, she flew into your lap, and you both uh-huh. kind of banged your heads. So there's uh-huh. some concern there. Well, I wasn't concerned. <laughs> this is where the problem set in. Right, right. You so know, yeah, tell um, me the story. Well, it we're having this lovely conversation, and then you know, boom, impact, and. I felt within, you know, it was shocking. And then all of a sudden the valets are coming and I, you know, are you okay? Are you okay? And okay, so this is the aggressive. I say to these very nice valets who just saw us get hit, will you give us a moment, please? I need a minute. Thank you. You know, and I roll up the window. (laughs) And I think Angela, I later learn, would have liked to have people around expressing concern for her. But I did not want these people around. I wanted to be quiet in this car. I wanted to feel myself. I wanted, I just, you know, I just wanted to check out like, like, okay, am I hurt? No, I'm not hurt. I just needed, I needed to be in the car with Angela like feel what had actually happened before all this other anxiety energy came towards us. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, then everything started to fall apart. Like I, 
I went into this place where, okay, I'm not hurt. We're fine. Like, this is what should happen. I'm going to go upstairs. I'm going to get a full night's sleep. We're going to call her husband. He's going to come. We're going to get the to- car towed. She's going to go home. She's going to go to bed. We're going to get a, you know, we're going to rest. And then we're going to do the module tomorrow. And that is not how it went. And the more it started to go in a different way, the more, the angrier and angrier I got. Um, mm. You know, my take on the situation is that we weren't harmed and that she should not go to the hospital. In fact, I got on the phone with her husband and I said, she does not need to go to the hospital. And the paramedics came over and Angela was also acting in a way that I had never seen Angela act. And it was very disturbing to me. Mm-hmm. I couldn't I couldn't connect with her. and I, mm-hmm. And I know that she felt the same way about me. But she was not in her body, and she was uh, um, you know, whatever what she was doing, like like she just seemed lost, like a lost little kid that had no idea how to handle anything at all. Mm-hmm. and and that made me angry um and then you know the paramedics came over and checked her and asked her all these questions and it seemed to me very clear that what the paramedics should say was you sound like you know you got you had a shock but since you're having no pain and no no symptoms of any kind you should just go home but that is not what the paramedic said. The paramedic said, you should probably go to the hospital to get checked out just so it'll give you peace of mind. And inside, I am going into a rage. I, I, I feel like, you know, Angela's husband is, is terrified, like is not, is in a sort of a similar place to Angela. He's overwhelmed and doesn't know what to do. Angela's overwhelmed and doesn't know what to do. And what I want to say is, I know what to do. Everyone should listen to me. This is what needs to happen. And nobody's listening to me. And I'm, or I, you know, I feel like I keep sort of gently suggesting, because I I think this param, I think this paramedic, I'm like, you fucker, you are just covering your ass. You're going to send her to the hospital where she's going to sit for all night because she's a zero priority because there's actually nothing wrong with her. Um, and this is just, but I, we have to teach a module tomorrow. I don't want this. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, there's a part of me that's like, okay, well, what if you're wrong, Jana? Like, what if she is hurt? You know, there's there's always this doubt that there could be something and I'm missing it. But 99%, you know, I had an experience with the American medical system. Years ago, I brought my daughter who had a fever at two years old into a hospital and they 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 were terrible. They 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 handled it terribly. I felt deeply betrayed by the doctors there. They stuck in they wanted to stick a needle in her spine. They held her down. They did x-rays on her. They did crazy interventions to just be on the safe side. Um and she was screaming and I had to sign an uh, against medical advice thing to leave with her uh, when I finally asked them to stop doing shit to her so that they could charge our insurance. Because and when I told my pediatrician 
he said, he was like, what, what, what are you talking about? Why didn't they just tell you that she probably had a little bit of like heat, heat stroke and send you home with like more ibuprofen? I mean, they were checking for meningitis. They're like, we're going to do a spinal tap on her. And so, and, and I had, I got triggered. I felt like the same thing was happening again. Like, you know, the paramedics like, okay, if, if you, if you drive yourself 30 seconds to the hospital, even though there's nothing wrong with you, you have to sign this thing saying that if you, you die on the way in your car, it's not our fault. It was just, it just felt like nobody was saying the truth. Yeah. And so we got to the hospital and it's a, it's a gong show there. There's like people barfing and screaming at cops and, and I'm trying, I'm, I'm faking it. I'm faking everything. I'm trying to be a good friend, but really I'm full of judgment and I'm mad at her. And there's this moment where I can't hide it anymore. And I don't remember exactly how it went down, but she said, I said, I'm, I know this is wrong. I know this is not the thing I should be feeling, but I'm mad at you. And she looks at me like, are you fucking kidding? She's like, you're not mad at the drunk driver that hit us? You're mad at me? I'm like, and your husband. <laughs> and then she just, she just looks at me and she goes, you're a bad friend. <laughs> And it's, you know, it's three in the morning. Right. We have a whole day of teaching on sexuality the next day. And I'm just sitting there and she and I are now fighting. And I'm just like, this feels terrible. This is a shit show. Help. Somebody help. Somebody help me. You know. Mm. But you resolved it. We resolved it the next morning. The next morning. Um, the next morning, yeah. Well, you left. Was, you left, she, obviously. I left. She stayed her husband with came. I left. Yeah, she yeah. stayed with Ferd. They never saw her in yeah, the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. And then the next day, what I, I learned, which I, you know, I really felt like I couldn't help what was happening to me. Like I couldn't help how angry I was getting. You know, you think of like fight, flight, and freeze as three responses to a trauma. And I was in a fight response and she was in a flight response. Mm -hmm. And when I realized that she couldn't help it either, Mm -hmm. because on some level the whole night, I, I, I think I was thinking, why is she doing this? Why is she acting like this? And I, I know she felt the same way about me. Right. She disassociated. She's just disasso- she disassociated. Mm-hmm. And that's not what happens to me. I become enraged. Well, but that's a disassociation as well, is it not? Oh, I didn't think about it that way, but I guess you're right. Because when the they come, a man comes to the door after you've been in a car accident and says, are you okay? And you're like, get the <laughs> fuck away from me, you motherfucker. Like he's some <laughs> psycho and how could he even dare do that? You're disassociated. Yeah. No. yeah. So yeah. in, which, you know, is fine. Mm-hmm. I get it. I have the yeah. same defense. I mean, people used to, used to bump into people in hockey or we'd ram each other and somebody be like, you all right? I'm like, yeah, I'm fucking all right. All right. Like was offended by the question. Right. Pissed off. Um, Because you were freaked out. Because it scared me. 
because it scared you. And I didn't want to be vulnerable. I didn't want to be like, oh, I don't know, maybe I'm not okay. Was it, it's mm-hmm. not okay for me to, mm-hmm. to feel that. But so if that's your defense in that moment where the, the valet comes over and you bark at him, what are you defending? Like what's, what's happening there for you? What, cause there's something you're in, you're in shock on some level. I'm in shock. I'm scared on some You're level. Scared. I'm just, I'm, I'm, and he's coming towards me. He's scared too. He's scared. And I don't want from. I don't want to. I don't want his fear anywhere near me. I don't need more. I of that. see. I feel right. angry with him for coming towards me with his fear. I don't experience it as care. I experience mm. it energetically as fear. And I, I, yeah. And so I try to get it away from me. Mm. What do you do? What? So you're scared. You're. You, I didn't you, feel scared. I didn't. Fe- I. But I. I. I know I was scared. It had I to must be. Have yeah. Been scared. Must have been scared. Isn't that? So is that? Is it hard for you to feel your fear? Um. What What I've learned is that there's clues that I'm scared. Like if I get very very angry, now I know to ask myself, are you scared, Jenna? You know, are you, are you, are you scared? Like mm-hmm. that there's things my body will do mm-hmm. that don't look like fear. Um, and it happens very, very fast. So well, it makes I have perfect to, sense. If you're scared, yeah. you attack. Right. That's right. I feel like, didn't we have a conversation once where we, we, acknowledge that so that when you got aggressive i was like are you scared mm-hmm. i feel like that happened like we we kind of came to that conclusion it's the same is true for me i feel like right was... yeah i mean i you understood me there right know? of course of course yeah and what did you need in that moment like what would you have liked to have happened i mean i think I needed somebody to come towards me who wasn't scared mm-hmm. <laughs> themselves and tell me something true. I don't know. Right. Like, like reflect my experience in some way. Like, how are you doing? Did you get hurt? I don't feel hurt. Like, and not tell me that. I could still be hurt, even if I don't feel right. hurt. And then you have Angela, who's completely gone. So she's not there. She's literally not there. She's mm-hmm. left her body. She's disassociated. And so whatever you might need from her is unavailable. Yeah. And whatever she needed from me, I mean, you know, she wanted to be with me and mm-hmm. I wanted to attack her. And I think I also wanted to attack her because I felt if I did unconsciously, like that would get her back. If you attacked her? Yeah. Like if if she got into her aggression, she'd come back into her body. No, I think it's a good strategy. I know. (laughs) Yeah. People don't like it, but it does work. 
It does work. I know. It did work. It worked a little mm. in the hospital. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But people don't like it. And I understand why they don't like it. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about it now? Like, what's, what's, is there a takeaway? Is there a lesson that you learned? Or is there well, meaning that you make of it? I learned to remember that I learned that just like I feel like I can't help my defense when it hits that hard when something that intense happens, you know, because right. I practice a lot sort of catching myself going into my defense and trying to downregulate myself. But in that moment, it was just too much for both of mm-hmm. us, you know, mm-hmm. paramedics and fire trucks and valets freaking out and a drunk driver halfway down the street who's switching spots with the guy in the passenger seat so he doesn't get arrested and just like a gong show. Um, I mean, I just learned that other people can't help it the way I can't help it. And to just, uh, it just changed things for me to know that. I I made an assumption that somewhere that she was doing something on purpose or to me, or if she, couldn't she just get back in her body and stay in her fucking body for two seconds? She kept leaving. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, you got in your body. Now stay, stay here. Right. But I don't really understand that leaving thing. I don't. I don't do it that often. Um, and then the other, the other thing, I, I, you know, when I got back to Toronto, I feel like this thing had happened to me, but I didn't want to tell anybody. Really? Why? Yeah. Because when I get really scary things happen to me, I don't want people to react the wrong way. Hmm. I mean, What's I guess the wrong I don't, way. Well, I don't want them to get scared again, like the valet. I don't want to have to deal with their fear. Right. It's it's very hard for me to be around fear. You know, I guess like it's hard for fear is the hardest feeling for me to feel in myself. And when there's fear in other people, I. I feel my own fear. I don't know what to do. I want to attack them. Like all these things happen to me. Mm. Yeah, that was the problem for me. And I'm sure you have your own version of events when we worked together. Yeah, that was the big problem, like a big problem between us. Yeah, you would get scared. And I was like, "Uh, don't be fucking scared. Yeah. I get I, it. Because I, I can't deal with your... First of all, I'm dealing... You know, we're, of course, I'm scared on one level, but, I, you know, I'd had, I had more confidence than you at the time, more experience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I know the people are afraid, so I'm like, now I got to take care of you? Get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm, like, it was... Mm-hmm. I was so resentful. Mm-hmm. I understand, Dave. Mm-hmm. Now, actually, yeah. you know, yeah. I understand. And mis- actually, you know, I was more like Angela. I couldn't help. Right. Being scared. Mm-hmm. I couldn't help it. Well, and you know, I made a mistake. What was it? what mistake did you make? Uh, well, the first couple of times we worked together, it should not have been a co-facilitation. Right. You said, mm-hmm. okay, you can assist me and mm-hmm. you can come in, you know, if you have an impulse, but like to take all the pressure off you. Right, that would have so been... So you wouldn't have had to carry anything. Mm-hmm. And then you could just come in when you felt 
comfortable and you know mm-hmm. that would have been better and that that is actually was on me like you asked for what you wanted mm-hmm. and as somebody with more experience i should have said no that's not right right but i well, let originally it go. i asked to assist you you did oh yeah don't you remember no and I don't remember. I mean, it may have been, you know, I definitely asked, but I think it was it was during one of those, I mean, it was, I don't remember what point in time it was if our relationship was already starting to go south. Um, but you didn't want me to assist you. Mm, that's interesting. Maybe it felt weird to you because we were... Like right. your assistants weren't usually your good friends. That's you know? right. We were really good friends. Mm. And there was, it, yeah. Either way, it's it was my mistake. Mm. Whatever the story. Hmm. So you have a hard time with fear. Yes. I'm working on it. Yeah. It's a big one. Mm-hmm. I think that's why I did all you, those ayahuasca ceremonies. You did a lot of work on it for yourself, right? You mm-hmm. figured something out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't say that I have it mastered, but I do have a relationship with it, a much deeper relationship with it than I used to. And, it, and there's a lot of information in there. And once you connect to it, you really see, oh my God, fear is running everything and mm-hmm. everyone. And it just feels so important to, to know that. But of course, most of us are completely disassociated from our fear. We don't even like to say that we're afraid. We don't know. We don't know it's happening. I think. Yeah. We don't know what's happening. Cause if, you know, I remember strut saying to me, Tom, my old therapist, you know, when was the last time you felt safe? And I was like, I've never fucking felt safe. Like, I didn't even know what that meant to feel mm-hmm. safe. And then I saw a picture of myself on my mother's bosom when I was just a little baby, and she looked terrified. Right. And I thought, well, if she was terrified, I must have been terrified. And so that energy, that energy of fear is literally being absorbed into my body from her body. Mm-hmm. And that's just how I exist, this fear on simmer all the time. And then when something happens, the, the pot gets turned up and goes to boil. So, I mean, it was probably 15, 20 ayahuasca ceremonies ceremonies in a row where I went right to hell, right to the center of my fear. And I couldn't solve it. I couldn't get to it. And I kept going back and back. And I thought I was going crazy. And I would check in with people that I trusted and people who knew me and could feel me. And they said, no, I think there's something for you there. Keep going. And then finally at the isolation retreat, you know, four, four years ago, we're out in the woods for six days and three ayahuasca ceremonies and fasting, you know, the most intense thing I'd ever done at the time. And yeah, in the second night, all my fear came and I was in a maze of insanity like the the negative thinking and the self-loathing and self-judgment. I thought I was going insane. I literally thought I was going insane. It was trapped in a maze and there was no way out. And then I came out the other side. Like I figured it out. Something happened. I just surrendered. What did happen? I realized it was all an illusion. 
Like just in a moment, illusion. in a moment you realize that I just, something, something broke. Like I, I, I went, it's like, it's like anything you go all the way into the thing you're most afraid of. Like, uh, like you, like it was a kind of mad, I was literally in madness and I could feel the place I could go mad. Mm-hmm. And, and then I came out the other side. It was like something broke because it was so intense. It was so extreme. And so it just kind of, it's like oh, the it broke mm-hmm. and I just gave over. And then I, I finally fell asleep and then I woke up the next morning and I saw the trees and the sunlight coming through, and I heard the birds, and I was like, oh, this is what's real. All of that is just thoughts in my head. Mm-hmm. It's did not you real. Feel, did you feel safe? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I felt totally safe, comforted. It was, I had a hammock. It was a little bit chilly. And so I'd bundle up in my sleeping bag, like a little cocoon, and I just lay there all day, rocking like a little baby. Mm-hmm. And it was like I, I got reborn. And then I went into the, the ceremony on the fifth night after having been in the woods for all that time, five days, four of it fasting, terrified again, because here we go, ayahuasca ceremony with Shaman Dave, who's the most intense and i was fine i handled it i was good did you go to hell no mm-hmm. no i didn't go to hell and then in the ceremony the next night same like i handled it and actually it was that night uh that i had a relationship or sorry a conversation with my fear so i felt my higher self come online and I spent the whole night just talking to my fear, which was the little boy inside me. It's just like, no, no, it's not safe. We can't do that. And I was like, I hear you. I hear you. I get it. That's all right. But we're going to go. We're going to go. Just take my hand. We're going to walk. You'll be fine. And that there's times where I was going to have to let him scream and cry and hate me and, you know, you're an asshole. Fuck you. And it's like, and just to be, if I could just be gentle and calm and loving, but also firm. Like you don't drive this. You don't mm-hmm. lead. I lead. I'm in control. Right. You know, I'm going to be compassionate, but we're not staying here. We're not staying stuck here. We're going forward. And you're going to have to feel some things, but I will be here with you. Mm-hmm. And I just reconciled to that scared child inside me. And that that scared that scared child would always be there potentially. And that was just my work to tend to and be with my scared child, but to keep mm-hmm. moving forward and to identify not with the scared child, but with my higher self. And that's what changed it. Right. Now, I still get caught in my fear. But you know that your job is to not merge. Right. Right. It's very important. Like awareness, the awareness that you've merged with your scared child. And so he's alone and there's nobody to go to him. You're not right. there to go to him. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it yeah. happened yesterday. I totally disassociated yesterday. What when happened? I, well, I saw that Canada was restricting flights I know. for the unvaccinated. 
and I read it before I went to bed. Couldn't sleep. Wasn't thinking about it, but just couldn't sleep at all. And then I woke up and got back on Twitter and saw more of it being reported. And I was annoyed. Thought it was stupid, but just the regular, here we go again, more nonsense. And then I thought, am I ever going to see my dad again? My dad's not vaccinated. I'm not vaccinated. He's 73, 74. Am I going to be able to get into the country? Is he going to be able to get out of the country? Like, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. And all my family, not just my dad, but I have all kinds of family in Canada. And I then I had just the weirdest day. I mean, part of it was I, I didn't sleep, but I just, I couldn't feel myself and started eating and I didn't want to exercise. I was just like moped around and... And I finally realized, like, oh, I'm scared. Like, I mm-hmm. actually feel scared. Like, th- what they're doing feels like a violation. It feels to me like an oppressive force of control, that there's a deep unconscious uh, shadow in it that's like, there's a fuck you. You're going to do what we fucking tell you, mm-hmm. which is true. Mm-hmm. I believe that entirely. There's all kinds of shadow material in all this. And it's triggering the places in my childhood where I felt that energy coming from my mother, probably because I was, you know, I was a lot. I was a lot to deal with for my mother and without a father around. And I'm certain that there was times where she wanted to fucking kill me. Mm-hmm. And I felt that. Mm-hmm. And it was scary. Yeah. So... It still happens. But, you know, I, I once I recognized it, then I was like, okay, all right, this is what's happening. And slow down and let yourself go through it. Be compassionate and uh, don't make a story about it. Just just be with mm-hmm. yourself there. And, and today I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Do you, you know, like when you have the thought, will I ever see my dad again? Mm-hmm. Is that thought... Like, do you go to a place where, I mean, you don't know when they're going to lift this, if they're going to lift this, Mm -hmm. but do you have things you believe about it? Like, do you believe it's permanent or do you believe it's temporary? I believe that it's permanent. I believe that it's temporary. You do? I do. Hmm. Okay, well, that's good to know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I am 100% against it, mm-hmm. 100%. Mm-hmm. And I believe that it's temporary. Mm. It, it, well, but you think Trudeau will lift it or the next prime minister? How much longer? Trudeau has two more years? Well, he's got a yeah, minority government. I think Trudeau will lift it. That new dude needs the shit beaten out of him by some real men. I'm not kidding. Mm-hmm. Like some guys who actually know what's real. This guy's a privileged fucking bitch who doesn't know anything about anything. He grew up a prince in Canada, completely privileged, has no perspective on anything, never created or built anything. Mm-hmm. 
never managed anything in his life, and suddenly he's the prime minister of Canada? Are you fucking kidding me? It's a joke. It's an absolute fucking joke that this guy's leading the country. He doesn't know anything about what the world actually is. And some men who actually know what the world is, who've been out there, who've suffered, who've gone to war, who've experienced or tried and failed to build businesses and were successful and actually felt what that is, need to come in and straighten this motherfucker out. It's dangerous. This guy is dangerous. People like that are dangerous because they don't understand that they're actually cowards and they don't understand their own, they don't understand themselves. Mm-hmm. So I, this, and but people- isn't that, uh, isn't that most people though? I mean- Yeah, that is most people. Yeah. 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 But I'm yeah. just, we have to name it. Mm-hmm. He's doing his best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. But- mm-hmm. w- w- yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, uh, it is scary. It's it scary. Is scary. It is scary. Yeah. It is well, scary. It's the scary when it's too mm-hmm. that he thinks mm-hmm. he knows mm. what's right. There's no humility at all. And that's, that's where evil can animate. That's where evil actually animates, in the place where we're unconscious. Well, this is maybe why I guess I keep trying to be careful about what I think I know. But at the same time, I have to let myself know things. <laughs> it's it's difficult. I don't want to be... I mean, you think it's permanent, but you don't know that. Yeah, and I no, think it's temporary, but I don't know that. No, it's good to hear that you're probably right. I don't. I don't know. I don't. Why do know. you think I'm? Why do you think I'm probably right? I think more and more people are going to come to their senses because the the, the, the quote unquote anti vaxxers have the winning argument. Why are people they who've do. had COVID? Of course. Mm-hmm. Why are people who've had COVID, who now have Natural immunity, which, as far as we know right now, is stronger and longer lasting than the vaccine. Why uh, are they not exempt? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. That's true. I, you, you know, I, I go ahead. I, well, I had a kind of comeuppance experience because I, I was really excited about Alberta. Mm hmm. Do we talk about this? Alberta, like, no. Alberta, Alberta, try you know, re- removed all the restrictions, mm-hmm. and it went so badly. I was so disappointed. Like I had to reevaluate my position. Um, you know, now they have vaccine mandates, and their premier can't like has a super low approval rating, and people are beside themselves. Like, what do you mean it went badly? Um, they couldn't handle the hospitalizations. They started having to fly people to other parts of Canada to treat them. Well, it's fine in Texas and Florida. We're, we're doing great well, down yeah, here. Yeah, I know. I mean, you guys, I mean, this isn't, there's another problem in Canada, which is a, which 
precedes the pandemic, which is that we don't have sufficient healthcare. We don't have like en- enough nurses here. We don't. We we even if we built beds and hospitals, we don't mm-hmm. have enough people to staff them. It, there's a there's a limitation. Like whenever right. you look, like we can only go so far because we we don't we don't have the people. Right. And you can't train them in five seconds. Mm-hmm. And that that's a mistake that was made. That's on the government. Um, but then the reality seemed to be when Alberta tried to move to an, an endemic state where they let it circulate in the population, they're like, we're not going to test. We're not going to, you know, we're, we're going to, we, they, we got, they got rid of masking. They got rid of everything. Mm-hmm. And then it went, it went so bad. It, it, it really did. I'm suspicious. You should look into it. I'll look into it. Yeah, look into it. I, I mean, that, that's the I, problem. Know, it it's hard to trust ex- anything. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I'm, but but it's like like you you have to be willing. Like I I was like, a, I there's some things I'm right about, but there's some things mm-hmm. that I have been wrong about. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know, for sure. Well, the reason I'm suspicious is because we've been lied to about everything, mm-hmm. or about. No, I would say, you know, almost everything. There's been mm-hmm. manipulation. And I don't know what happened. I'll look into it. But uh, also, I just saw a study that came out that said that lockdowns had no discernible impact. Mm-hmm. I think it's true that we don't know exactly why. Like, there's some places where restrictions seem to make a difference, and there's other places where they don't. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's hard to know. It's hard to know what's true. I, I would I would very much like to know <laughs> what is real. You're never going to find out. They're never going to tell you. That's the problem. <laughs> the people in power are, they're, they're never going to tell you the truth. They don't, but aren't there things they don't, maybe they don't know. Well, that, that's fine. But tell us that we don't know. We're doing our best. This is what we think is the best thing. And as new information comes in, we'll change that. That's not what they're doing. Right. They're saying Some this people is what we're are doing. doing that. Very Some few people. people are doing that. I, those are the people I follow on Twitter. Sure, of course. And and I yeah. like those people. And that's a reasonable thing. But when they're saying, this is what we're doing, this is what you have to do. And if you don't obey, you're fucking a bad person. You want grandma dead. And they're, you're marginalizing other people. No, I'm yeah, mm. no, I, I know, I know. I appreciate, I, I appreciate what you're saying is that, you know, we have to stay open to the, the place where we don't know things and. And that's true, but um, I'm infuriated mm-hmm. by it all and by the lies and the manipulation. And I'm not standing for it. Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm not going along with anything. I don't believe anything they say. They don't, and and they haven't earned the right. They haven't earned my trust because they've mm-hmm. lied to me, and they don't own any of the lies. Mm-hmm. So, How is it in Texas? It's, it's totally normal. Oh wow! It's just—it's like it's not here. I mean, you, you go into a grocery store, you see some people wearing masks, but other than that, it's just life is as normal, ordinary. Same right. in Florida. I went down to Miami. You don't even know it's there. You're just—it's just people are going, living their lives. Right. right. Yeah, that's not what it's like here in Ontario. And there's no problem. It's not—they're not Miami and Texas. Their numbers are good. They're, mm-hmm. they're doing better than a lot of places. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know why that is. But that's my experience here. 
It's like I'm making a, a bet about what's going to happen. And I said to date, you know, my husband the other day, we were talking, like we start to get worked up. It's like, okay, if we have to leave Canada, where are we going? Where are we moving? And when I go towards that, I feel like I'm being a little bit crazy, you know? But I don't know. I've been wrong about stuff. So. Well, uh, I hear you. And I, I felt that too. But I just keep looking at history. Mm-hmm. I keep looking at the things that have happened in history. And then I assume can happen again. Mm-hmm. And so if I apply that to this moment and you look at the cycles of history, the idea that there could be some kind of attempt at a communist takeover in some fashion seems likely to me. Seems based on history and based on what I see out there. I don't think that's a conspiracy. I think that for me, it's quite simple. With Brexit and Trump, the ruling class realized that they'd lost control. Mm-hmm. And they look at China and how they're doing things. They have complete control over their population. And I think they think that's a good thing. I think they've convinced themselves that that's the right thing to do. I don't think they're uh, evil necessarily in a nefarious way, but I think they want to control what's theirs. They want to hold on. I think it's human nature. I don't think it's anything... Uh, out of the ordinary, I think, but I think it, it is a kind of evil, this desire to control other people and to re- retain power. So that's what I see. And I think it's, I, I don't see that that's a conspiracy theory. I, th- I think that that's, that's just human nature. That's, that's what history has shown us mm-hmm. over and over and again. And I think it's very hard for people to face that that's who we actually are. That's who human beings are. Mm-hmm. I mean, this idea, for instance, that white people came into North America and slaughtered Native Americans and that we are bad and the Na- Native Americans were these innocent victims who were sitting there out in the plains smoking their peace pipe is complete fucking nonsense. They right. were all killing each other. They were all committing acts of genocide against other tribes. Not all of them, but many of them, Comanche, the Lakota, most of them were war tribes Mm -hmm. and went to war and killed and murdered and tortured and enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. And the history of civilization is the history of genocide and of taking over and decimating another culture. And it's very hard to come to terms with with that fact and to accept that that is who we are. That is who you are. Hmm. That is who I am. And I so I understand that. We want to stay in denial, but it's that denial that allows it to happen. This goes to the core of the work. This goes to the core of everything that I'm trying to teach. If you want to transcend evil, you have to know it in yourself. So... Do you, I mean, you're talking about very black and white thinking, right? Like the natives are all good and the, you know. Yeah, perpetrator victim mentality. Right. 
So then what you're saying is that you have to root out in yourself any place where you're doing good, bad splitting. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that good, bad splitting is happening all over the place right now because people feel, I don't know, because people feel helpless. People feel helpless and they're afraid and there's some kind of evolutionary force that is beyond us that we don't understand. That's just a part of nature, I think, is also at play. Some Mm -hmm. psychic force or maybe it's in the stars. I don't know. Mm. Something. And this is how we do it. Like this is how we actually do it. Like what's happening is- how, we, what do you mean this is? We evolve through conflict and war. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do, don't we? Yeah, that's that's who we, we are. We always have. Mm-hmm. We always have. Right. And and, and this is what I, you know, you, to transcend it, you actually have to accept it. You have to accept the world as it is, you accept, and that we are part of it, and that that is inside of each and every one of us, that there is no evil out there. It's it's in each and every one of us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And once you know and understand that, you're much less likely to perpetrate evil. Mm-hmm. Now that said, if shit goes down, I'm going all in. I will access my lower self. I will let it come through me mm-hmm. and I will do whatever I got to do to make sure that my side wins. And it's not going to be nice. I'm not going to be nice. I'm going to let nature come through me mm-hmm. and do what nature wants to do. And I will be in full acceptance and peace with that. Right. If shit goes down, I'm renting a private jet and I'm fleeing the country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dave, some ways you and I are similar, and some ways we are different. That's what I like we, about Diana. She's 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 she going to stand and fight oh, with she's you. She's like she's going to stand and fight with oh, you. Yeah, yeah, no, she's she wants no, a bow and arrow. She wants to go full Hunger Games. That's so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. My my computer's about to die. Unfortunately, the computer's about to die. You didn't I'm think so- to bring your power source down. Does that mean this conversation is over after my after it's- my epic rant? Audiences mm-hmm. left. We have to like, we have to have some conclusion to that. Okay, okay. we have some time. We can conclude. Let's conclude. Um, okay, what, because what you know, there's be there's more context that that we need to bring. Well, maybe there's not. Maybe there's not. Maybe I said it all. How do you think people are going to react to what I said? I think some people are going to like it, and I think a lot of people are going to hate it and get mad at you and say that you are just like the things that you hate. I am just like the things that I hate. Mm -hmm. Talk to those people that 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 say that that they're just like the things that you. They're just like the things that they hate. Uh huh. All these motherfucking social justice warriors who are all about peace and equality. It's it's all bullshit. It's all a mask. It, it, the the I mean, don't even. I, yeah, it's no. It's that 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 has to. I can't just pontificate. You can't about do that. that. Okay, that that's it, a, that it has needs, to be for another time. But I I'm not buying it. Mm-hmm. Um. All I know is this: for the last my lived experience 
for the last six years has been because of how I think, because of who I've supported, I've been discriminated against. I've been called a racist. I've been called a white supremacist. I've been excluded. I've been judged. There's been attempts to assassinate my character, Mm -hmm. uh, to hurt me, you know, uh, to hurt my career. I've lost friends. And that is the group from, it's all coming from a group of people claiming to be tolerant, claiming Mm -hmm. to want equality, claiming that they are the good ones and that I am the bad one. I'm not doing that to them. I am not actively trying to censor anybody or judge or condemn these people. I don't think they're bad people. I think they're just deluded. Mm -hmm. And I think they don't understand. You would still be friends with them. Uh, That's why it's so painful. Yeah. It's not, it's, of course I want to be friends with them. That's why it's so painful. But it's, it's, you know, it's a, they're in a cult. And we're all in cults in some way, but there there is a mass delusion. People know, they know, they know what mm. the fuck is going on. You're not allowed, you know, we're being lied to. We're be- I'm being told, no, a transgender woman is actually a woman. And you have to believe that or you're a bad person. It's like, well, oh, uh, what? Mm. I, I, I can't just accept that person as a human being and allow them to show up any way they want to show up. I have to completely buy in to the ideology that's behind it and subscribe to it and to believe something that doesn't actually is not actually biologically true like i have to change my whole conception of of reality that that's that's the conditions of this mm-hmm. agreement are there otherwise i'm a transphobe fuck you fuck you you're 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 crazy mm-hmm. and also what is that why do you need me to believe that Mm-hmm. The only reason you need me to believe it is because you don't believe it yourself. If you believed it yourself, you'd have no demand that I also believe it. So I know there's a lie there and I will not conform or buy into the lie. Mm-hmm. That's all. Right. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I guess I stumble on people that think that or... But most people in my life or who I meet, I don't feel that they have that, like, I don't encounter that except in the news, you know? Or I guess right. it's in it's in areas on Twitter, but the, the, those, it's not my friends, that's not my clients, that's not, I don't know. No, I don't that's really, true. You know? Well, but th- that group of people has a lot of power. Right, and they're, that's true. And they are... I agree that it's a minority group, but they have a lot of power and they have a lot of sway and they are using Impacting. it to change laws mm-hmm. and and change society. And that's dangerous. We're asked, you know, yeah. anytime no, no, we're it asked is, to uh, buy into a lie, I think it's dangerous. Right. No, I, the, I mean, the place I felt it, and you and I have talked about this, is in my kids' schools. That's where right. I felt the impact. Right, exactly. Know? And I have felt it and I have called the principal. And I yeah. have had free conversations with him right, right. about uh, about what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. But we'll get into this more. I'm, okay. I, you know, uh, Jana. Dave, I love th- you. I love you too. How do you feel? 
wrapping up. You feel good? It's so fun. You yeah, satisfied it's really with the conversation? Fun. Very. Mm-hmm. I'd love to do it again sometime.